Welcome to PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. I'm Carol Daniel here with Michael Scully, regional president of PNC. Each podcast features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that disrupt the status quo and encourage business leaders to think differently. Today, Mike and I are so happy to welcome Maxine Clark, founder of Build a Bear Workshop and former chief executive bear. Always loved that title. She's now board member, social entrepreneur, and investor in women and minority-owned businesses, and also now chief instigator, another great title, at the great Delmar Divine. Maxine, it's so good to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So I, you know, of course, you and I, you gave me a great tour of, of Delmar Divine. For those who haven't seen it yet, they've heard about it. Describe this incredible project of yours. Well, thank you for asking. The Delmar Divine is truly a, a labor of love. That's the first most important thing to know. Well, it's taken a, a long time to pull this together. Um, it was the right length of time to really get to know the neighborhood and all of the p- players that make uh, part. But in the physical sense, it's a multi-use real estate project uh, that reimagined a former historic St. Luke's Hospital um, campus into a new use. Rather than letting it fall down, uh, we decided to build it back up and create offices for nonprofits, similar to Cortex, but I sometimes say a Cortex for nonprofits, mixed up income apartments and a small footprint of retail that the neighborhood needed and wanted, a bank, a pharmacy, an investment office, and soon um, a restaurant, the Deli Divine. We're excited about that coming in the spring. Um, The office space is home for about 30 nonprofits, all kind of not exactly hand some hand picked, but certainly we merchandised it uh, to make it uh, be a certain amount of education, a certain amount of healthcare, a certain amount of community development. We have um, homeless organization in there, not homeless people living there, but an edu- an organization that manages uh, home homeless homes and uh, and food and all the things that the homeless community needs um, as well. Our part we have apartments, one hundred and fifty. Uh, uh, income, a uh, variety of incomes in the apartments that are uh, diverse people, old, young, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Boeing executives, teachers, nurses, social workers, all kinds of people. And now they're also engaging with each other and engaging with us and the community that they're living in in 63112. So it's really, um, a, an, it was a really important place to be able to do this because it's big enough. It's 500,000 square feet. It's 10 different buildings. It's big enough to be able to do a variety of things in it and still keep those things separate if you needed to or when you want to. But it's also a way to bring community together. Uh, We also created a great community space. We have a co-working space that's open to the public. Nate, you can come in and take a seat for, you know, a small fee every day or buy a membership for a longer period of time because we didn't have anything like that in the neighborhood. And when I started Build-A-Bear, I went to Kinko's, if anybody remembers Kinko's, to <laughs> write my business plan, type it up, print it out, take it to the next meeting. And we can be that place in the in the West End for people to come and start their business or their nonprofit um, or just work um, side by side with other people. Maxine, I have heard about Delmar Divine for, for several years, but I had no idea. You've blown me away with that description. Where do you stand in the evolution? Are you, are you full now? Are you partially full? Are you just getting started? No, we've. Uh, we opened officially uh, uh, the office space uh, last December, and people started moving in. We are 100% full. 
uh, on the office space. And all of our public spaces are now finished as well. Uh, we did have the flood in July, and we, we lost some ground because we had a, quite a bit of damage. So we had to tear out and put back together. But now we're back 100%. Uh, and all of the, you know, the way work is now, people don't necessarily come to work every day. But we have about 400 people that have a badge, like I do, that can get in the building at any time they want. So we know that those are registered workers there. We we have a lot of parking and the parking lot's never really full. I use that as my example, but we're doing tons of things to bring the community together. Uh, Lunch and learns. We had our first sort of our version of venture cafe called insights on Tuesday night. It was incredibly well attended. Well over a hundred people came to our very first one to have a conversation about the state of nonprofit and how can we work together. Um, And that will start a lot of other conversations that we'll be having in the future. So uh, we are, you know, we're about as good as we could be. It t- took longer than I thought because, of course, of COVID. Uh, we had planned to open in 2018 and we planned to open in 2020. And then we em- ended open up in late 2021. But we're most we're, now it's really complete. Almost all of our tenants are in. We have one more tenant that will move in in January. But other than that, everybody's you know ready, rock and rolling. When we started this conversation, I always say this at the beginning of uh, C-Speak, and that is that we want to disrupt the status quo. What was it about Delmar Divine that you felt would disrupt the status quo? The the disruption is really um, collaboration. You know, that unfortunately in St. Louis, we have so many nonprofits, over 15,000, and they work all over St. Louis. And they never really have a place that they can call home that's up to the quality of the work that they do. I mean, we have amazing nonprofits. So they, I would visit them for, you know, to talk to them about making a grant or a decision. And I'd go into places where the the roof was leaking and there were buckets. And yet people who needed their services were coming in to get services. And this is what they were seeing. And I said, this isn't right. You're professionals. Why should you work in an environment like this? And it just sort of stood in my head for a while. And then, you know, I was working at Cortex and I loved going there and it was such an inspiring place. And then I, I drove by this building, right, where when I was working on our KIPP school in 63112. And I turned right and then I turned right again. And they were putting the first sale sign. I said, what's going to happen here? I didn't even know exactly what it was at the time. It was called Connect Care. I didn't know its history. Um, but I called Dennis Lauer, who was at Cortex at the time, and asked him what he thought. And he said, I can't help you, but I'll, I mean, I can't do it, but why don't you, you do should? It? Yeah, and I did. You know, I thought, oh, why not? You know, like if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done it. So I'm glad I didn't know because the obstacles in the way of a project this large in a building this old, built over so many decades with so many different laws and rules were almost impossible, but I had a great team. I had Clayco Construction on my team, and we had other, you know, good people working, all of our contractors, our subcontractors. People really wanted this to happen for more reasons than just, you know, they were, it was a job to do. And I think that part really is what we need more of in St. Louis. We have all the tools we need to be success, successful. We just need to pull the people together so we can get more done faster. And that was part of my, I'm, I have a bias towards action. And how do we get it done? How do we just don't just talk about it and come back three weeks in another meeting. Let's just talk about it. Let's go down to your office and tomorrow we'll come to my office. and We'll talk about it and we'll get working on the on the solution for the community. Not without the community, by the way. We sit in the middle of a very um, active and engaged community, the West End, and we can call on them anytime we want. They're in our building all the time. They have their own community space. How do we get them, you know, engaged with us and helping us? Um, not that they're the be all know everything about St. Louis. There's lots of things, but we're not there just to help the West End. We're there to help uh, St. Louis. Well, Maxine, I am, for one, uh, so glad you stayed with it and made this happen because you are a real difference maker. I have actually followed your your career since the, the mid-90s when you were a corporate executive. Talk us through that a bit. So you've gone from a corporate executive 
to a founder entrepreneur and an IPO of a company into a leading St. Louis philanthropist. Talk about that journey, if you would. Uh, thank you for asking that. It, it really wasn't a huge transition, at least not from Build-A-Bear to the work that I'm doing now, because um, Build-A-Bear, we were always engaging in community and philanthropy. In fact, our fourth month on the job, we did a big uh, charitable event for Kids Crisis Nursery, which was very successful. It was overwhelming, but it was incredibly successful, and we knew that teddy bears could bring joy and help a lot of organizations. So we started that, and actually in the 25 years that we've been in business, uh, we've given over $22 million to uh, charities across the country, mostly in St. Louis, certainly in the beginning. And we've given hundreds of thousands of bears uh, to kids in need. That was one of our processes. But I happened to be lucky enough to grow up in the corporate world of the May Department Stores, which was based here in St. Louis, which was an incredibly charitable company. And they incentivized us to give, whether it was through the United Way uh, sharing program. Uh, uh, you signed up and they took money out of your paycheck. That was the first thing I learned. Then the May Company had a matching gifts program, so my $50 could be 100 And I was always one of the executives that maxed out on the matching gifts because I thought it was – I knew my bosses did it. And if I wanted to be a boss someday, shouldn't I be also a generous person? Of course, I come from a family where my mother was a social service uh, worker. She was a civil rights activist. I've known about this all along, but we didn't really have the money that we were talking about giving out money. It isn't always about money. It's about time. It's about, you know, talent, sharing, connectivity. Um, but when you're called a philanthropist, it's because you do uh, give money to things that you care about. And my husband and I have been able to uh, really use the success that we had with Build-A-Bear and with his business, New Space, to give back to the people that helped us. And mostly that's children. And the children are our future. They have that sparkle in their eye. They have so much talent and so much opportunity. And for me, they're the most fun to be with all the time. So how can we inspire them and help them? And that's really why we have so many education nonprofits at Del Mar Divine working together. Um, not so much that they're working in the classroom. They're working in the, the things that support the classroom, uh, the summer camp programs, the after-school activities, the um, helping parents find the right school for their children, uh, reading and literacy, which is a really critical issue. So I, I worked for the best, and I've hoped that I've translated and that all of those people that I work for in the May Company that are with us and some that aren't, that are proud of me because they pass it on more subtly than you might think. Um, but those kinds of examples matter, and they do change people's perspective, especially as you're a growing executive uh, and you see your bosses doing it. You'll, you'll follow suit if you're the right person. We we hear that phrase, power couple, all the time, and your husband, Bob Fox, uh, Maxine and Bob are a power couple, but the power is in the love, yeah. I think. And having been around the two of you separately together, uh, talk about the impact of the Clark Fox Policy Institute. You have the foundation, mm -hmm. but the Policy Institute. Mm -hmm. The Policy Institute at the Brown School of Social Work at Washington University was really uh, something that we needed to do in St. Louis in order to encourage more young people to think about not just complaining about the problems and, you know, having to deal with them at the very common uh, uh, grassroots level all the time. But how do we solve the problem? And that takes policy. It takes working with legislators. It takes working with businesses. It takes working with community leaders. And you have to understand what, what they're, what's in it for them, too. So you really have to understand how to craft policy. Where do you get the information that you need? Um, how do you talk to the community as well as the people that have to make it happen? And that's an art and a science. And so many social workers are just such so you know good hearted. They just want to get it done instead of thinking about how do you do it. And I remember hearing um, recently hearing Judge Sotomayor talk about there that the justices are just you know 
um, making sure that the laws are carried out. If we want the laws changed, we have to change them. And there's many laws that have been on the books for you know hundreds of years that need to change because they don't fit the way we live today. And how do we do that? And that takes you know really sane, um, organized, strate- strategic planning as well as people who know how to talk to legislators. And that's what the Policy Institute does. The students that are there taking that part of their degree are learning how to be uh, great um, executors as well as thinkers. Maxine, the World's Economic Forum's 2020 Global Gender Gap Report says that if progress continues at its current pace, it's going to take women two and a half centuries to economically catch up to men. Now, that's globally. You have invested a lot of time in efforts in support of women entrepreneurs. What wins have you seen and what really excites you about near-term opportunity? Well, good news is St. Louis is one of the top places in the country for women entrepreneurs, and I'm really proud of that. I think, you know, 25 years ago when I started Build-A-Bear, you know, it was a, it was just a great idea that was happening, but within seven years we were able to take it. I raised a lot of money, private equity money, to do that, and then we were able to take the company public in 2004 and said, I can do that. She can do it. I can do it. And it starts the beginning of, of people thinking what else they can do. And also mothers um, who live every day with so many problems, um, they can they invent products all the time. They make it at home. They'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, if somebody would see it, they'd say, why don't you sell that? That could be a great product. So we have to have the, the tools in place to support that kind of entrepreneurship, which can really change families' lives. Uh, they, uh, you know, somebody who has a product that can sell um uh, uh, hundreds of thousands is a, is a really really good business. So that's not just uh, women, by the way. We we I have a really strong feeling for minority entrepreneurs because they've been buying from companies that created products for them that were white, maybe knew what they wanted, didn't know what they wanted. Now they're creating products and services that they can that are for their community, for their people that look like them, and they're selling like hotcakes. I could tell you stories of some of the entrepreneurs that I uh, work with that have just blown my mind, and it's not a product I would even need or use. But, but they're selling like crazy because they know that people need it and want it and use it, just like teddy bears, but just a different product. And so I think this is really a huge opportunity for St. Louis. Um, I think St. Louis particularly could be the, I call it the Atlanta of the Midwest, where so many young people come, especially young people of color, to start their businesses, to have um, great jobs, to work in various industries from media to sports to uh, retail all of it's here, and we just have to be telling that story and attracting as many people as possible. But I do believe women are on the right track. Um, we have um, got a lot of ideas, and we just also you have this impact of child rearing, which is really challenging in these days because there's not a lot of early childhood support. We have to think about going out and funding early child care like they do in, in Europe so that parents can all parents can get out and work um, and uh, contribute and also get the sanity that they need away from the home. Uh, but we, we need a lot of systems that are, are not working in America the way they work in other countries that allow people to go back to work um, and their children are, are safe in uh, the right quality daycare or, or, or elementary school or public school. We have, we have a lot of work to do on the early side of it, and I think it's possible. We just have to focus on it. I do want to focus on you, Michael Scully, for two seconds. PNC created Project 257, and that effort, Michael, if you can talk for a few seconds about it to strengthen the focus on expanding access to credit to eligible businesses. Why is that important, Michael and Maxine? You can talk about this as well. Michael, why was that important, and what's the impact? Well, the impact is, for one, it's a national program for PNC, and it's to support uh, really micro grants to small business, and it's a, a judged competition, but you get uh, – St. Louis has shown really well 
So it's called, the project we have is called Corliss. And you have people apply for these grants, and St. Louis has had a number of applications. So PNC has sponsored this is by supporting members of this organization throughout the country, and it's doing great work. So it's something we've really ramped up in the last couple of years. Funding is really important, and sometimes it's not as much money as you think, um, but sometimes it is because the, the idea is so big and such a big opportunity that they, they need to order to get the technology platform right. Um, so we do need uh, banks and um, investment companies that were willing to invest here to invest in minority entrepreneurs uh, with a little bit more than you know the few thousand that some might need. Sometimes it's bigger than that. We have one company here, uh, Flipstick, uh, founded you know by a young uh, African American entrepreneur, uh, just going gangbusters. I mean, selling at Target, Walmart, and he, he doesn't get paid for a long time after that product is in those stores. So he needs a bank loan to kind of make sure that he can get the pro- get the product here and then ship it. But people don't, you know, it's not that easy. It sounds like it should be. You see the orders. Why can't we get going? So, you know, I think there's lots of ways we can start to rethink about how we support um, local small businesses, especially when they have, they can show you the, the paper, so to speak. They've got orders. They can make this happen. They just need the money, the bridge. Um, the bridge loans are important, too. Um, so I think there's just a huge, huge amount of opportunity for St. Louis to be um, different than most cities and really grow our, our minority and our women-owned uh, businesses. Certainly, we've had a lot of terrible headlines here, statewide, nationally, internationally. What gives you hope, Maxine? The children. I get to meet with children every single day, and they have so many ideas. If we just ask them, um, I think, you know, we had our first board of directors at Builder Bear was children, and they gave me so much wisdom from the color of an animal to the type of animal it should be. They just know. They'll just tell you like it is. And I, they give me so much hope. Um, there's debate teams winning all over the country, uh, dance groups that are winning, act, young actors and actresses that we get to meet that are just doing phenomenal work, young people opening up um, cooking businesses and home catering businesses and all kinds of things that, you know, I want, you know, and where do I go to get it? I want to just press the button and, and have those services. So I think I have tremendous hope for St. Louis. I think all the new businesses that are coming here are also exciting. We have to be able to give them the talent, uh, uh, help those young people see those jobs as, hey, I want to do that job, um, that it's their passion, not me telling them that that's, oh, you should go work in this coding business or you should go work in, in this advanced manufacturing business. Help them understand what is that? Oh, I want to do that. Maxine Clark, thank you so much for joining us on PNCC Speak, the language of executives.